and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson once again. And Andrew, oh boy, did we have a big week number eight in the world of college football. A couple of, you know, not surprising defeats as we saw some of the top teams in the country handle their business this past weekend. But there were some big-time upset, including one major one in the ACC that has now shaken the landscape of not only the top 10 in the NCAA, but in that conference whatsoever. In big-time week, in week number eight, a lot of fun finishes at the end for some top teams in the country. And now we head into week number nine, where a little bit of a shakeup in the top 25 polls. We'll have to see how these teams fare after their week eight performance. But, man, what was your initial reaction after seeing some of these final results from week number eight? Oh, man, what do you want me to start here? Um, it's tough. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that happened in week eight that we anticipated that some teams were an upset alert, but there's a couple that are just downright embarrassing. And even though this is their first loss of the season for some of these teams, their season's over just because of the magnitude of how they lost and who they lost to. Right. And when I saw this result, then we'll talk about this game first because I think this is a perfect way to start off the show. You go into this game and. It's between Virginia and North Carolina. And Virginia going into this game was 1-5 in the season. Their only win, I believe, came early in the year against maybe a lower-tier school. I'm trying to think of who it was. I'm looking at the schedule real quick. Actually, no, it was it was just recently. It was against William & Mary. And it's been a rough year for them. Uh, they've lost some big games, Tennessee, Maryland, NC State. And now you're going into the road to take on North Carolina, who's the 10th-ranked team in the country top pro- quarterback prospect in Drake May. They've been rolling on all cylinders, 6-0 and in the season, as I mentioned, the 10th-ranked team in the land. And there were talks of maybe this team making the college football playoff if everything was to go the right their way. But the one consistent thing for this North Carolina team is, and this happened last year for them too, is they had this one loss that really derailed their season. It happened last season for this team, and it once again happened this week as Virginia – Going to two and five on the year, getting their second win of the season in their first in conference play, pulling off the stunner on the road, beating North Carolina by the final of thirty-one to twenty-seven. Huge win for Tony Bennett and his Virginia Cavaliers squad. They pull off probably the biggest upset of the entire season with this win over the Tar Heels, definitely derailing any hope the Tar Heels had of making the college football playoff. And now they're in the spot, Andrew, where. They're just trying to make the ACC championship game because now it gives teams like Duke and Louisville another opportunity after they also had some tough, uh, pat, you know, their bad luck the past couple weeks. Yeah, the ACC just got a whole lot more interesting, and I can't believe that sentence just came out of my mouth. Yeah. Usually this conference the last couple of years has been the leftover conference. Everyone's been focused on the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC, with the ACC and Pac-12 taking kind of a backseat. And with the rise of the Pac-12 for the past season, the ACC has been, well, has been beyond an afterthought. And this makes the ACC interesting now, like you said, because Louisville, Duke, all have the outside, uh, you know, they have an opportunity now to make that ACC championship game. And now it's not written in stone for the, uh, the North Carolina, Florida State showdown we all had anticipated because now it's up in the air and they have to start sweating a little bit here. Yeah, a really derailing loss if you're the Tar Heels. I mean, you're expecting to win this game. They were, I think, 23-point favorites going into this one. And let's face facts. They weren't the only team that struggled this week. There were a couple other teams like Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, all had their problems this past weekend. So maybe it was just a weird weekend in the world of college football where some of the top teams struggled. But those teams were able to get it done at the end of the day and able to hold on to win their games. North Carolina just at the end of the day could not get it done. Drake May throwing a interception as he got hit to end the game and giving Virginia the win. Probably their biggest win in a, in a couple of years. They It's been a rough couple of years for them. And for North Carolina and Mac Brown, this is another tough end to, to their playoff aspirations, just like last season. And now, you like we said, it's now going to be up to them to try to finish the season off and try to make an ACC championship because at this point, now, if you're the ACC and you're not in that playoff picture, your biggest mindset now is maybe just to New try Year's to derail. Six bowl. Yeah, you're just trying to not only make the New Year's Six Bowl, but 
you're also trying to ruin Florida State's chances of making the, the college football playoff because we'll talk about them in a second. But as it stands right now, Florida State is, is looks to be in the ACC championship game. And despite Louisville losing last week to Pitt, they're now right back into the picture after this North Carolina loss. And despite also losing this past week in, to, in the, Blue, uh, the Duke Blue Devils, Duke still has a chance to win because they remember playing North Carolina later in the season, just about a couple weeks' time from now. So it's very much wide open for that second spot in the ACC championship game. Now I want to go move into the next game with the big second half that led Florida State over Duke because Duke was in the driver's seat for the majority of this game up until the second half. If Duke had held on and beat Florida State in this game, they'd not be in the driver's seat to win the ACC, which is crazy when you think about this. Right. And we're not talking basketball. We're talking college football. Duke, if Duke played a second, a good second half of football yesterday, they would have been in the driver's seat. But let's talk about Florida State and how they continue to kind of play down to their competition here. Um, it, it could, you know, I would say that they are the equivalent of Josh Allen is in the NFL, but where Josh Allen plays down to his competition. Florida State is the team embodying it embodiment of that on the college level where they seem to have moments of greatness where you think this is a team that will contend for a national championship and then they have mind-boggling games like the Duke game where their quarterback Riley Leonard wasn't that hot the first half he wasn't that hot the, the entire game well and well they keep should in mind. Take... go, go ahead go ahead no, no, go I'll, I'll I'll I was gonna say uh Riley Leonard this was his first game back from that injury he sustained against Notre Dame so he definitely was not at a hundred percent going into this one but Florida State did a good job of containing it throughout the game. Right, and you think you could take advantage of that um, situation. And even though he wasn't that hot, you're, you're down three points at halftime, your season's on the line here, and they really had to kick it into high gear. And thankfully, they kind of woke up, and they ended up beating Duke. Um, and, you know, they had a really big response because they went again, they covered this game. The spread was plus 14 for Duke. And they go from being down three to covering the game in the second half, which is kind of crazy when you think about that from a uh, from a, a betting perspective, a, a sports betting perspective. But where does it? What does this lead Duke now? Because they're kind of in that second tier now with Louisville, North Carolina, where they're kind of on the outside looking in right now of this um, of these bowl games. Well. I think we mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago. They still have a chance to make the ACC championship game and potentially a New Year's Six Bowl if they can win out the rest of the season. They already now have two losses on the year, that tough defeat against Notre Dame, and now this bad second half against Florida State. Now, keep in mind, look at the game they have this upcoming weekend, a huge showdown with Louisville that, for all intent purposes, could be for that second seed in the ACC standings right now. And then, as I mentioned also a couple of minutes ago, they go to North Carolina on November 11th to take on the Tar Heels. They have their opportunity right there. They are they are two wins away from getting it done. Now, keep in mind, they also have to play Wake Forest. They're at Virginia, who obviously just pulled off the upset against North Carolina. And then they're home against Pitt, who beat Louisville. So, it's not going to be easy for Duke to make the ACC championship game. But the path the card- is there. The path exactly. The path is right there for them. They have their opportunity to do so, but it's up to them to make it happen. I think if Riley Leonard continues to get health, you know, gets more healthy than he was in this previous game, that will give Duke an opportunity because you know he's a special playmaker for this Blue Devils offense. And the moral of the story is for Florida State: a slow first half. There was a pick six that put them down ten points. They got some momentum right back after after returning a kickoff to make it a three point game. They go into the half trailing by three. And in the fourth quarter, that's when they took over. They had a 96-yard drive to end it in a touchdown. And then their defense really stepped up. They were able to force some plays on the Duke deep, uh, offense. And as you mentioned, they covered the game and won by a final 38-20. to They now go to 7-0 and on the season. They're still in the top four in the top 25 standings. So they're still right now the last team in if there was a college football playoff to happen today. Obviously, still a lot of season left to go, and there's still a huge matchup to happen in the top four uh, overall. But Florida State still has some work to do, and you mentioned it. They still kind of playing down in the competition. This was a good Duke Blue Devils team. They have been playing pretty good this season. But you look at Florida State's remaining schedule. At Wake Forest, you're at Pitt, home against Miami, 
home home against North Alabama, and then you're at Florida. So there's certainly a path for them as well. And then obviously, if they were at all able to hold on, they would play in the ACC championship game against either Louisville, North Carolina, or Duke. But they have to play better down the stretch of the season. And if they get into the ACC championship game, they could be setting up for an, uh, maybe a rematch against Duke. Maybe they face Louisville or North Carolina for the first time this season. It There's a lot of uncertainty of who they might play and how they will finish off the season, but they'll take their win for now, now going to 7-0 and on the year, and they're holding on to that number four spot for the time being. Yeah, and it's we're going to have a plethora of options as the as the season continues. And I'd like to go on our next game now, talk about the Crimson Tide and Volunteers of Tennessee. Where have you heard this story before? Alabama down at the half because of, of mediocre play, storms back and not only wins the game, but dominates the second half of play. How many Ooh. times have you heard that story this season? It has been kind of the motto for Alabama this entire year. They are not really a good first-half team, and it showed in this game. They went into the half in this one trailing 20-7. to uh, Jalen Moreau threw a bad interception before halftime in the red zone that really derailed Alabama from taking the lead and giving Tennessee their final touchdown before the half. But as you mentioned, a huge second half for Alabama and on both sides of the ball. They outscored Tennessee in the second half 27 to nothing. Right, so it's like that first half didn't even happen in their eyes. If that game had just, if they had scored no points that first half, they still would have came back and win, which is kind of crazy when you think about that. Talk about SEC defense. Um, Alabama continues to find a way to win. I know they have a loss on the season. It was an ugly loss, not not really an ugly loss, but a uh, tough loss to the t- Texas Longhorns early in the season. And despite this mediocre play on the fir- with every first half, whether they're playing against Texas A and M. Arkansas, Mississippi. They're still in the hunt for the college football playoffs. They are very much alive, especially with the downfall of teams in the Pac-12 and the ACC right now. Well, yeah, that that was the only good thing for Alabama because those teams in the Pac-12 had to play each other at some point, so they had to cancel it out at some point. And then Ohio State and Penn State just played this past weekend. We'll talk about their game in a little bit. Ohio State and Michigan had to play also at some point. These teams are all in the same conferences, so they have to play each other at some point, and that's a good advantage for Alabama getting back into the college football playoff picture. And as of this moment, they're back in the top 10 after this win over Tennessee. They got a great game for Jalen Moreau in the second half. They were able to run the football as well, and we mentioned it. Their defense played huge, and that's been their big thing the entire year. Their defense has played strong when needed the most. And now they get a bye week this week before they play LSU in a couple weeks in Tuscaloosa. And you look at the schedule, that's probably the toughest game they have remaining. They do go to Kentucky. That might be a sneaky, tough road test for them. But that's probably the toughest game they have remaining on their schedule. This is going to sound crazy, Nick, because I saw the schedule. I know you mentioned they play LSU, Kentucky, and then the week after that, they play Chattanooga, which no offense to any Chattanooga fans. I love me some mid-majors, but they're not not challenging Kentucky. Is it crazy for me to think, even though how bad Auburn's been, that the Iron Bowl is just going to have that stigma? I will say this. Auburn does play Alabama pretty close every year, even when that's, that's, Auburn that's is I'm having saying. bad seasons. The problem for for Auburn is going to be this. Auburn is known to run the football, and Bama's big strength this season has been stopping the run. They, 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 they did it in this game. They might have allowed 100 yards as a team, but that was on three yards a carry. And it took Tennessee maybe nearly 40, yard, uh, 40 carries to get to that 100-yard mark. And – Auburn has to run the football to have any chance because they don't really throw it as much. So that will still be a high-stakes game because it's going to be in Auburn as well. So it might be a close one. I, I don't disagree with that. I think it will be, will be a little bit closer than people expect it to be. But I think the path is there for Alabama. If they're able to win out, they'll play in the SEC Championship game, and they'll play Georgia. And that's pretty much a win in your end. If you lose the game, you're not going to make the college football playoff. If you win the game, not only do you make it, then you really hurt Georgia's chances, but Georgia probably would make it too. So the path is also there for the, for the Crimson Tide, but they need to handle their business. Obviously, last year, they let that game slip away from LSU, and they lost, and that pretty much derailed their national championship aspirations. They cannot let it happen again this season, or else not only are they not going to play in the college football playoff and have a chance at it, they're not even going to play in the SEC championship game because that will go to LSU. 
That's why it's so crazy, because I think that they're looking towards LSU, and they, they have the bye week. They have plenty of time to think about where they go for the rest of the season. Um, like you said, Kentucky might be sneaky, but they probably win that game. They definitely beat Chattanooga. But that uh, that Iron Bowl is just staring at me. And I know you mentioned with them stopping, it's going to be like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object in this case. And this game is, I believe this game is on Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Either that or the weekend so. of. It should be the weekend of, I think. Yeah, this is the weekend. This is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, man, if I was an Alabama fan or if I was an Auburn fan right now, I would not be looking forward to Thanksgiving right now. Well, Auburn's got has had a rough year, so it's pretty much the only thing they have look looking forward to. And if they were to upset the Crimson Tide, that would be their Super Bowl, and if that's the right terminology for it. Yeah, but, I would say that's their Super Bowl. But yeah, the Tide get a big win this week over Tennessee. Um, Tennessee pretty much with this loss now is pretty much out of the SEC East race, and now for Alabama to stay undefeated in conference play. And like I said, it's up to the LSU game. The winner of that game pretty much locks up the SEC West. And for Alabama, you win that game, you're right back into the picture of the national championship hunt. But if you lose, then you're out. And you also don't make the SEC championship game, barring LSU doesn't lose another game the rest of the season. This is a must-win for Alabama these upcoming weeks. They can still propel themselves into the college football playoffs, which is crazy when you think about it. Right. But here we are. But... They weren't the only team that this past weekend needed a must-win, as USC, coming off that bad defeat over Notre Dame, was hosting Utah at home. And, Johnson, we spoke about it the last time we when we were previewing this matchup. USC has had their struggles against Utah, especially last season. They lost both games to the Utes, a one-point loss on the road. Then they lost in the Pac-12 championship in, in, in blow-off fashion. So... This is a must-win for the Trojans because not only are they trying to stay alive in the Pac-12 race, but they're trying to make, still make the national championship a college football playoff. And they cannot afford a second loss. Otherwise, that pretty much ends their championship aspirations. And unfortunately for USC, a, a really slow start to this game got to them. They got back in the second half and were able to take the lead very late. But Utah kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires and the Utes pick up a big monumental win on the road, 34-32 over the Trojans. They now go to 6-1 the season, and they drop USC down to 6-2 on the year, their first conference loss of the season. But USC still has a chance at making the Pac-12 championship game, but any hope now of making the college football playoff is probably now out the window. It would I don't think there's a possibility that a two-loss team like this could make it. They'd no. still have to play... Oregon and Washington, I know, um, and UCLA. So you, you never know. Maybe some wild scene could happen in the next couple of weeks. But USC, it's just been a consistent thing for them all season. Their defense has not been playing great, and that's a reason why they're losing some of these games. But with the way the offense played in the first half, if they did not have that slow of a start, and remember, this was a tie game to start off. It really came down to the third quarter being the problem for USC. They started off slow. They were able to tie the game, but that third quarter really did them in. They got outscored 14-3. That gave the Utes the lead going into the fourth. And USC, as I mentioned, took the lead late, but just gave the Utes too much time. And now they're looking to play spoiler in the Pac-12 and trying to ruin Oregon and Washington's chances of making the college football playoff this year. And I'm going to say it again. Oregon State still has that outside chance of making it. Um, but let's talk about USC a little bit. We saw the cracks in the foundation going back to, I want to say, week five with the Colorado game, where a Travis Hunterless Colorado team kept pace with them. And we kind of said, hey, this is a problem. Next week, they play Arizona, and they win an OT by two points. Again, this is a problem, but no one's really addressing it. Finally, the damn walls cave in, and they get absolutely trounced by the Irish in South Bend. No problem. Notre Dame's a good team. Your season's not over. Just win the Pac-12. And they succumb to the boogeyman the next week. It, do we talk about Caleb Williams? Because he was getting compared to some of the other quarterback prospects of his generation, such as Trevor Lawrence. Really dominant college player. But I can't remember Trevor Lawrence acting like this in college, where he would have this boogeyman for a couple of years. He was the boogeyman, not right. only in the ACC, but in the national championship scene. You can't say the same for Caleb Williams, and I think this really severely hurts uh, hurts his draft stock. 
I'm not saying he's not going to go number one overall, but just in the mindset now of people when they think Caleb Williams, they're not going to put him in the same breath of elite quarterback prospects now. I think these last two games have certainly hurt um, the hype that he's gotten because Notre Dame, he threw three first half interceptions. And then this game, he didn't do much besides get the one rushing touchdown. Um, that did give USC the late the late lead. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about Utah. They, their defense play, it played them really, really strong throughout most of this game. I mean, they did have a little bit of a hiccup late in this one. But they were able to hold USC for the time being. And I think it really gives them a testament to how good this Utah team has been. A huge win this week. They have another huge game coming up this upcoming weekend. And who knows, Johnson, if they're able to win this upcoming week against Oregon, maybe we should start talking about Utah being a sleeper team in the college football playoff I'm race. I'm still not buying Utah right now. Um, talk to me in a couple of weeks. I- I'm not buying well, the hype. Even if they beat Oregon, you don't think so? Uh, That's a big win. Yeah, it would be. See, they'd be a one-loss Pac-12 team. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the one loss they have is to Oregon State. So to me, you have to be – are they better than Oregon State? No. That, that's the whole thing. So Oregon State, to me, would have to lose for them to be considered. But remember, Oregon State, they still have to play Oregon at some point as well. And yeah, I, I don't know where they had that gauntlet of uh, Washington and Oregon right. to end the season, those back-to-back, uh, back-to-back games, which is going to be tough for them. But like I said, talk to me in a couple of weeks. And when um, if they lose against Washington and or Oregon, then I think and, you can consider – And um, listen, consider Oregon – Oregon State's got a tough game this upcoming weekend with Arizona because Arizona has been playing some good football the last couple of weeks. I don't think that's a game that they should look over because if the Wildcats play like they did against USC in the first half of that game and how they played against Washington State, the Beavers could be on upset alert this upcoming weekend. It is right now a close game in terms of betting, so that's a game to watch out for. We'll talk about that game later on in the show as we'll get into the mushing hour just a little bit, but... Let's talk about our final game of the weekend, and it, it went. It was the big game of the week in the Big Ten between number seven Ohio, um, I almost say Ohio State, Penn State taking on number three Ohio State, and it was just a pretty much a defensive game for both sides of this one. I mean, the defenses really came out to play. Both quarterbacks kind of had their struggles throughout most of this one, and Ohio State really, realistically, they got they got very very lucky. I mean, there was a point in the second quarter where. There was a scoop and score for Penn State that gave them the lead, but unfortunately, there was a holding on Marvin Harrison that negated the entire touchdown. It gave Ohio State better field positioning. They were able to score the first touchdown of the game to end the first half with a 10-6 to lead, and they would get a touchdown in the fourth quarter to extend that lead to 20-6, to would go on to hold this one by a final of 20-12. to They now go to 7-0 and in the season. Penn State does lose their first game of the season. They're still in the top 10 in the top 25 polls, but we spoke about this on the show last week, Andrew. This has been a consistent problem for Penn State where anytime they play Ohio State and Michigan, they just seem to not play very good football. It showed in this one, their offense really struggled. And you have Drew Aller, who has been making some good strides in the season, just playing one of the worst games of his career. And he even mentioned it in the postgame. He just, he just did not play great for them in this one. And if they want to have any hope of maybe making the college football playoff, they have to be Michigan. They have to win out, and especially win that Michigan game, or otherwise it's pretty much all done for them. I think this season's over no matter what because – I think so I, I think, too, but – I think this is it because even if the, the championship game features one of Ohio State and Michigan, and I, it's just – if Penn State were to play Ohio State again, and if Penn State beats Ohio State, I mean, can you make the argument? Sure, well, but... The the problem for Penn State is, I don't know how the tiebreaker would work, because if they were to even beat Michigan, and then Michigan loses to Ohio State, I don't know who that would go to in a three-way tie for the conference. Um, Because that would probably be Penn State's only path to making the Big Ten Championship, unless one of those two... I unless believe you're correct. Those, unless one of, uh, like, both of those teams lose two more games in the uh, rest of the way, but I just doesn't seem like a very likely path. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't, I don't disagree with it. I think Penn State's pretty much done. I think you, you're hoping for a little sliver of hope at this rate. If you're the Nittany Lions, um, a New York six bowl should be on the horizon for them nonetheless, but this has just been a consistent thing. That's been a problem for them the past couple of years where 
these big game situations, they have not been able to beat the boogeyman that you mentioned a couple minutes ago, Caleb Williams. They haven't been able to beat boogeyman in Michigan and Ohio State. This is now, I think, the eighth straight year they've lost to Ohio State. The last time they beat Ohio State, I think, was I'm trying to think Saquon, maybe Saquon Barkley's sophomore or junior year in college. Maybe his freshman year. I don't remember what year of college he James was. James Franklin's been there for a minute now. Was he there eight years ago? I he think was. he was. He was. was there eight years ago. Yeah. So it's been a while, and it's just another tough defeat for them. And Ohio State, they, they have been playing some weird football where it hasn't been great. It hasn't been really good. But they've been able to scratch out and claw these wins. And they have a tough road game this coming weekend in Madison against the Badgers. But you have to think, Going into the rest of their schedule, it looks pretty much all winnable up until that final game going into Ann Arbor to take on Michigan, in which should be a really good contest between those two. It re- really should be a good game, and I don't know where Penn State goes from, comes, uh, goes from here because James Franklin made Vanderbilt look like a world-class football program, and they haven't recovered since. So clearly he is a great head coach. I think this is more of just a mental block for the players and the team at this point because he's done it in the past. Uh, but he hasn't been able to get it done lately. So I don't know what is what it is. It could they be recruiting differences. It could yeah. be a number of things. It could be stealing signs like some people allege. Who knows? Uh, I won't go into that. Um, I think it, goes, it, it could be a multitude of reasons. I think it goes down to the point of they haven't done anything since that 2016 season. That was the year where a lot of people believe they should have been in the college football playoff over Washington. And because um, that, that was the year they won the Big Ten championship over, I think it was... I'm trying to think of who they play. I think they play Wisconsin in that in that Big Ten championship game, um, and that's where they had playmakers like uh, Chris Godwin and they had Saquon, as I mentioned. Trace McSorley was the quarterback. They had a really fun team in that 2016 season, and they just haven't been able to do that since. And they really it's just been a mixture of uh, the the two teams that they've they've lost to in Michigan, Ohio State, are just better on paper. And they haven't been able to fi- find out what can it take to beat them. There were certainly points in this game they had a chance to beat Ohio State. And they just couldn't take advantage of the mistakes that the Buckeyes were making. Because the Buckeyes, face, let's face facts, they did not play a good game of offense in, in the entire game. There was points in the game where the fans were booing how badly the offense was playing. But Penn State just couldn't take advantage of it on the other side of the ball. Their defense showed out and showed up in this one. But the offense has been the consistent issue for them in these type of big games. And now they're looking to play spoiler against Michigan later in the season. Yeah, I can't believe we're talking about this once again. I mean, I'm not really surprised that. I I wish I wasn't surprised either because I I, I wish I wasn't surprised because you want to see them do well. Right. After having such like a historic program. I mean, they should have gotten the death penalty, but I won't talk about that right now. But it, they had so much potential every single year, and then just they just fall flat on their face. It's um, it's really a shame at this point. It's really we we expect this at this point. This is yeah. no news. This is nothing. It's, kind new. Of a, it's 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 basically a new normal because it's the same you know year where everyone looks at Penn State and you're like, oh, this is a ten win year, and the problem, the reason why they're winning ten games is because they're going to lose the two games to Michigan and Ohio State. It's like That's a yearly tradition at this point that needs to be broken. Yeah, it's been a while. I think I don't think they've broken it since that 2016 season. So, Jace Franklin's got to figure something out. But maybe they they stun the world to be Michigan because that is a home game for Penn State. So that yeah, won't the, be an easy one for the Wolverines. I can correct, confirm the last time uh, they did beat one of these teams was when Barack Obama was president. So, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. So, before we go into the Mushing Hour, Johnson, let's talk about the top 25 polls because there was a little bit of a shakeup after – some of these these uh, losses this past week, obviously North Carolina, the big one, dropping down seven spots in the top ten, now going to 17th in the country. And as we mentioned, with their win over Tennessee, Alabama is now back into the top ten, now number nine in the country. So they're right back into the national championship picture. And obviously beating LSU and getting into that SEC championship game will help them, as well as you know these teams like Washington and Oregon having to play USC at some point and also, Ohio State and Michigan obviously have to play each other at some point in the rest of the season. Um, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the top 25 poll? I know there was a new team in the rankings that I'm sure you'll want to talk about in a second. But was there anything else that that um, gave you a first glance and saying to yourself, you know what, that's kind of surprising. Maybe that's something to look out for going into the final month of the season. Can we talk about Air Force? 
Yeah, we can talk about talk our They play in a legitimate uh, conference. It's not like an over, you know, not Power 5. But they play in the Mountain West, and they have a slew of good teams. Um, they're currently ranked 19, so you can see teams, like you say, like Louisville, North Carolina, Mizzou, LSU, Utah. Bo- those teams could easily fall down, and you could see them maybe even making a, a, a enter the top 15, maybe even enter the top 10 to have a season ends because they got to play Colorado State, Army, Hawaii, UNLV, and Boise State. Now, I realize that is a Charmin soft schedule, but uh, well, based on... Well, for what I've seen, UNLV, I think, is having a really good year. So that might be their toughest game on paper. Colorado State played Colorado pretty good, so that might also be yeah, tough. Yeah, but Colorado we turned out not being so hot. Well, yeah. So I will uh, I will kind of... But I think you're not wrong. As, uh... There's a strong possibility they could make a New Year's Six Bowl if they end the season like this. They could be last year's Tulane. No, I definitely... I think I feel like they can. And I, if this was a year later... They would probably make that if they have the potential to make the college football playoffs, the 12 team one, not this year's. I'm not saying they're gonna right. make this year's uh college football playoffs, oh, but I, this I, was I cannot wait for next season for that to happen. Uh, that's gonna be chaos, and I'm looking forward to it I, too. I, I love chaos, and that's gonna be epic chaos because of all these teams. Because you look at the poll right now, and think of it like the scenario like a team could lose one game and say to themselves, you know what, it's fine, we lost one game. All we need to do is just basically win out, and we're right back into the fold because there's 12 teams now. So it gives teams hope. Yeah, that's really the best part about it. Um, and a team like Air Force, I think like they could finish top 12 in the country, and they would sneak in if this was a 12-team playoff bracket. That's what I'm looking so so forward to. And I do want to mention number 25, James Madison, the Dukes. There it is. Finally getting into the top 25. I believe they're still not bowl eligible because they're transitioning, transitioning to – uh, real Division One football, not the so, uh, yeah. not the previous conference that, that that they were in, where they play teams like uh, Idaho, Montana, and University of Albany. Shout out to the Great Danes, uh, but they're playing big boy football now, and I think that's such a stupid rule because we saw this in college basketball last year, where a team transitioned from the uh, Division Two to Division One, and they weren't eligible for the postseason, even though they right, made the but, tournament. But think about it for their case: if this once the uh, playoff format goes to twelve. Who knows if they're if they get close to the rankings, they could be a team to look out for. I can't believe I'm saying that, but they could be a kind of like the Cinderella team to maybe make the the 12 team format. It's definitely going to be like a Mountain West team that does it next year, and I can't it, wait to see it. It probably is going to be. There's going to be there is going to be a mid major that makes the college football playoff next season. I think there That's might be two because you can get one from the AAC too. Right, you can easily get Tulane to get up there if they if they continue what they're doing. Right, they've they've been pulling, they've been doing some great things the past couple of seasons. So there, there's definitely a possibility. I think that's the beauty of this of this format. Yes, people might not like it because you're going to get some, you know, mid major team that makes the college football playoff, and you're going to be facing some of these power five schools. But we've seen in previous times these mid majors can beat some of the power five schools. Teams like Boise State did it. TCU when they were in the Mountain West did it. We had Tulane last year beat Caleb Williams and USC. Seen so, UCF in years past. UCF, right? They're, you know they're Big Twelve now, right? It, it anything is possible at any given Saturday or Sunday when it comes to college football. So, I'm very, very excited to see what this new format brings to us. And keep in mind, all these new conferences are going to happen next year too. So there's going to be a lot of canceling out for some of these teams in next season. So there is a strong possibility you could see a two team that uh two lost team or maybe even a three lost team maybe make the college football playoff because it's gonna be so much um beating up on each other that someone gets in god that's gonna be so crazy and it's gonna be weird to kind of think about that right yeah so that's gonna be some epic chaos but if we want to talk about chaos johnson i think it's finally time to get in to the mushing hour for week number nine. Oh, the best time of the year we got to talk about the team's uh, for those who don't know, it's where wins become losses, loss becomes wins. Uh, shout out to Scott Van Pelt and Red Zone. That's the, Scott uh, Hansen, so close. Ah, uh, gee, Scott Hansen. I don't know why I'm thinking. I'm thinking Sports Center, ESPN. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Scott. No, you're, you're, uh, thinking, you're thinking of uh, Frank the Tank's uh, mortal enemy, Scott Van Pelt. I am thinking of Frank the Tank's. Who Ryan Hicks did meet him yesterday, so that must have been something to see. I wish I could have been there for the meeting of the minds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's where losses become wins and wins become losses, just because we mush them. Because even though if we think this team is a lock from all of us here, we're probably we're probably gonna mush them. It's not gonna mean anything. So with that being said. Nick, I'll kind of defer to you and uh, let you take the first time. I'll let you take the first team here. 
Okay, so we have the first game, and this could be an interesting game because Oklahoma did struggle this past weekend against UCF, and they're taking out a Kansas team that not just a couple weeks ago blew out UCF at home. So it's number six Oklahoma going on the road into Lawrence, Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. Oklahoma is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under, 66 points. So they are expecting a high-scoring game in this one. We saw what happened last year, Johnson, between these two teams. Oklahoma lost at home to Kansas. Can the Jayhawks pull it off for the second straight season, or can the Sooners keep their national championship aspirations alive? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, do I want to trust Oklahoma after what's happened the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, they beat Texas the past couple of weeks, but that UCF game was an eye-opener. Like, it was really tough because I thought Oklahoma was finally here and, we, and they deserved their respect. Um, and I love, I don't want to pick against the Jayhawks. So give me Kansas plus nine and a half. Okay. Give me Kansas plus nine and a half. Cause I, I think they'll beat them, but I think it'll be a lot closer than we anticipate. Yeah. I think we're going to be expecting a close matchup because I think Oklahoma, you saw the cracks on the armor. Their defense is still not that great. Like, and I think they had their struggles against Kansas last season. And as I mentioned, Kansas blew out the team in UCF that Oklahoma almost lost to this past weekend. It took a stop on a two-point conversion for the Sooners to hold on and win that game. It's going to be a good one. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff, so that's another thing to look out for. That could be one of those games where the Sooners, you ask yourself, did the Sooners wake up and were they ready for this game? I think Kansas will give them a fight. Um, I have been concerned about their defense because they have been struggling the last couple weeks. We saw that game against Oklahoma State. Their defense just did not really help them in a game where they put up 38, uh, I think they put up 35 points, and they were to lose that game 38 to 35. So I love the over-under because of the Big 12, because you know how I am when it comes to those games. But I think I'm going to play it safe for now. I, You know what? I won't play it safe. I'm going to take the over. I think these are just two bad defenses, and I think you'll see a high-scoring matchup. And I do love your Kansas 9.5 pick. I think Kansas will keep it close, but I do think the Sooners come out on top with the win at the end of the day. Okay, so you're going to take the over. I will take the over. And I'll transition into our next game as we got a big one in the SEC. Not a home game for Florida, but you could consider it a home game between number one Georgia Taking on the Florida Gators, this game taking place at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida, as they usually do every year. So a neutral site game and a little bit of an aspect, but pretty much a home game for the Gators. Georgia going to this one is obviously undefeated, the number one team in the country. 14.5 point favorites with the over-under being at 49 points. Johnson, do you think the Gators have a chance to pull off the upset, or is Georgia going to go to 8-0 in the year? Uh, George has been kind of rolling on all cylinders. You know how I know that because we haven't mentioned them in a couple weeks since I got on their case. So give me Georgia minus 14 and a half. Not only are they going to win this game, they're going to cover by more than two touchdowns. I don't disagree because I don't think Florida is just not, I don't think they're playing great football. They haven't also played, remember these two teams are, are on a, had a bye week last week. So they are well rested going into this game. And both teams kind of, you know, kind of struggled their last game. Georgia had a slow start against Vanderbilt, able to hold on late in that one. And Florida came off a shootout win at South Carolina. So because of that happening, I think I'm also going to take the over for this game. I think you're going to see a matchup where two teams are well-rested. The offense is going to kind of come out to play. And it's a big game because it's CBS. They always cover this game. And the Gators want to pull, want to pull off a major upset. I don't like the 14 and a half. I think if I was to take something other than the over, I think Florida covers this one. Okay, you think it's going to be close then. I think it's going to be Georgia winning by, I'd say, 10 points. I think it'll be. A, I don't think it's going to be 14 and a half like that, but I think Georgia still wins by two possessions. All right, so that brings us to our next game. We have the number three Ohio State Buckeyes going on the road into Madison to take on the Wisconsin Badgers at home. Despite being on the road, Ohio State is a 14.5 point favorite, and the over-under is slated at 43.5. Nick, I'll defer to you. Well, I think the reason this is the way it is is because Wisconsin is not – they're not having a bad year. They have a good chance to make 
the Big Ten Championship. As of right now, they would make the Big Ten Championship. So this could be a preview, potentially, of the Big Ten title game. Um, Wisconsin coming off a close win against Illinois. They had to score a late touchdown to beat the Illini. And we talked about the Ohio State win over the, the Penn State and the Lions. I think we're going to see a, um, Ohio State come out on top with the win. I think this could be a really low-scoring game, though. I think there's a two really solid defenses. So I'm going to take the under for this one. Um, I don't really know much about the Wisconsin team as a whole, but I know their defense has been a big reason why they've stayed in some of these games. And I think Ohio State's just playing some really good defensive football right now. All right, and I'm going to take the over because I think this game will go into overtime. I can see this game ending 17-17 really? and then – or 20 to 20, and then someone winning a walk off touchdown in overtime or hitting a field goal. Uh, so I think this is going to be the over only because I think it goes to overtime. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely fair. I think this is going to be a little bit closer than people expect, but Ohio State should handle business. I would not opinion. touch this money. I, I would not touch this spread if my life yeah. depended on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on that one. I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about the next team the Tennesseeers of Volunteer. Uh, Tennessee is a volunteer. The volunteers of Tennessee are going yeah, yeah. on the road into Kentucky to take on the Wildcats, number 21 in the country, Tennessee. Tennessee, despite being on the road, three-and-a-half-point favorite and the over-under slate at 52. Nick, I'll start this one off. Give me Kentucky plus three-and-a-half. Go right back to Kentucky again. Okay. I'm going right back to Kentucky again. I know they kind of burned me earlier this season, but I don't think the Burnley tries. And if so, uh, shame on me. Um. Kentucky's had a great uh, program so far. I mean, they uh, Mark Stoops has made a couple of off-brand comments on recruiting, um, but I think Tennessee doesn't have those those type of recruits, so I think they'll be a little bit more evenly matched here, and especially with the home crowd advantage roaring behind them because they're still playing for a bowl game. They're still playing for a season. Give me Kentucky plus three and a half. Don't know if they'll win, but it'll be a close one. Well, uh, it's going to be a, kind of a little bit of a theme going for me right now, Johnson, because I'm going to take the over in this one also. Um, these are this is another matchup where these two defenses have not been playing as great. I mean, you saw Tennessee's defense in the second half against Alabama really struggle. But Kentucky's defense in the last two weeks, you look at the point totals they've allowed, they've allowed, 90 po- they've allowed almost 90 points in the last two games. Now, I know one of those games was against Georgia. Then they gave up 38 to Missouri. Missouri's not a bad team to give that up to. So... You're facing another solid offensive team in Tennessee that's going to put up points. I think this will be a shootout, and I think it will be a close one. I, if I had to pick, I think Tennessee wins, but I think Kentucky will keep it close. All right, you heard it here first. The second game we have, or the next game we have, we have the Duke Blue Devils, number 20 in the country, going on the road into Louisville, also going to the state of Kentucky, ranked number 18 in the country. Uh, Louisville minus four point favorites at home over underslated at 47. Uh, I'll start this one off again. Duke needs to have a rebound here. They can't be lackadaisical in the second half like they were previously. It was a wake up call. They still want to compete for that ACC cha- uh, championship game. Give me Duke because they're going to want it more than Louisville. So give me Duke minus four. Uh, give me Duke plus four. I thought you were going to take the minus four. I was going to say, oh, alternate spread. No, that'd be all. That'd be all. Th- Listen, they're gonna give me. If I think they'll win, it'll be close. I'll take plus, even if they end up losing by a field goal. I still win my bet. I think my concern with this game is how is Riley Leonard's health? You saw in the game against Florida State, he wasn't all there, but he still kept Duke alive throughout most of it until up until the fourth quarter. And they're facing a solid defense against Louisville. I know Louisville just had a really bad mental lapse against Pitt, but now they've had a week off to respond from. That bad loss to the Panthers. Home game on ESPN. It's kind of crazy that we're talking about this game being a matchup between two ranked teams in the country. But that's the state of college football that we're currently at. This is not a college basketball game where we've seen these two teams ranked before. They've had some heavyweight uh, classics before. So I think you'll see a good one. I think at the end of the day, I just am very concerned about Duke's offense. I like Louisville to win this one, so I'm going to take Louisville minus four. All right, so I don't think we have a, a true mush yet. We have not Let's had one continue. yet. All right, so we have the Colorado Buffaloes going into Los Angeles to take on the UCLA Bruins, number 23 in the country. UCLA is a whopping 16.5-point favorite at home with the over-under slate that's 64. I think this is disrespectful towards Colorado. I'm going to give them taking plus 
There's no, I, I can't see a, a universe where they don't cover this. That is, that is way too many points. Well, what's kind of funny about this game, Johnson, is these two teams, their last game was against Stanford. and They didn't lose what, to Stanford. And we saw what happened to Colorado. They lost in double overtime to Stanford after having a 29-point lead. And UCLA, just this past weekend, beat Stanford badly, 42-7. to So, this is going to be a weird one for me. I think you Colorado, I think they'll keep it close. I agree with you. I think that the point differential is very high. So I think we're going to have our first mush of the day. I think I'm going to also take Colorado plus 16 and a half. They have definitely burned me in previous time. And I'm kind of almost leaning towards taking the over again. But I never could have a gauge of what team I get with UCLA as well. They either have their week where they play really good defense or they play really good offense and their defense struggles. There's no in-between for this team. So I think oh, Colorado. Sorry, Colorado. Votes. Sorry yeah. Colorado. You were just mushed and uh, – Move now is UCLA minus 16 and a half, and the game will it, be over by the second. By the, it was bound to happen at some point. All right. We have number 11, Oregon State, on the road going into Arizona. Uh, Oregon State, despite being on the road, minus three and a half point favorites over under slate at 56 and a half. Uh, I, this is one of my teams to win the Pac-12, so I have to continue to stay with them. Oregon State minus three and a half. I'm not going to abandon them yet. I know Arizona's had some great games in the last couple of weeks, but Give me Oregon State to keep on rolling, minus three and a half. I don't know, Johnson. Uh, this Wildcats team has been very red hot the last couple weeks. Um, they played a close game against Washington. They played a close game against USC. And then they beat down Washington State, a team that Oregon State lost to this season. Um, I know, but if you go one game prior to that, they beat the trees of Stanford, or the Stanford tree, right. by a point. They and, it wasn't the, and it was a... One score game. It was still, game it was going still into early in the, the year. Quarter. Yeah, it was so, still like, early I know it's early in the year, so I'm not really that sold on them. This is weird because remember these two teams are also well rested. They both had a bye week this past week, so this is going to be another interesting one. I think a lot is at stake for Oregon State, as you mentioned. They're the 11th ranked team in the land. They still have aspirations for making the college football playoff. There's still a really good chance they could make it, but I don't know. This looks like a game on paper. It's a trap game in which. You're going on the road. It's a late night game, and it gets a team that's playing some good football as of late. I like Arizona plus three and a half. I don't know if they win outright, but I think they can cover at the end of the day. All righty, then. So our final game, we have uh, maybe the de facto Pac-12 championship to see how it kind of runs out. Uh, maybe, um, but maybe, depends. maybe not. Uh, we have number eight Oregon going on the road into Utah to take on the Utes minus for. Uh, Plus number thirteen in the country. Excuse me, got the spreads on my mind. Oregon, despite being on the road, is a minus seven point favorite, so a touchdown favorite on the road over under slated forty nine. I'll start this off, and you can finish it, Nick. Give me Oregon minus seven. I'm still not a fan of this uh, Utah team. Bull Nix has, I think, fifty five games played in college now. He is a to say he's a veteran would be an understatement. He knows what it's like to be under this kind of pressure. So give me, I can't believe I'm saying this, but give me bold Nicks to lead Oregon uh, over a must-win game in Utah over the Utes. So give me Oregon minus seven. Well, I think it's a must-win for both teams because a second loss in the season not only derails your Pac-12 championship hopes, but it derails any hope of making the college football playoff. And if Utah wins, this certainly puts them in the top ten in college football. And really put, I think in my mind, puts them in the race considering they still have to play Washington at some point, and they would have to potentially play in the Pac-12 championship. I think, for me, it's going to be another game like USC, where you're facing a really good offensive team in Oregon, and Utah is going to have to put up a lot of points to keep alive. Oregon's defense the last two weeks has been struggling. They had the game against Washington. That's understandable. Washington State is still a pretty good offense, despite their struggles the last couple weeks. And the Ducks' defense has been a little bit subpar because of that. Utah's been known for their defense all season. Um, it, it's This is a tough game for me to gauge because I really want to pick the over because it's a, it's a low spread. I think it's a low over under to me for a Pac-12 game. So I think because of that, I'm going to stick with the over. It's been kind of a common trend for me this weekend. But I think when you have two Pac-12 teams, it's a big-time game. These two teams need to make some big plays. I think you'll see a lot of them 
made in this game. But I think Oregon's just on paper a better team than Utah. So I'll take the over, but I don't disagree with your pick at all. I think Oregon's probably going to win this one. All righty, then. So with that being said, Nick, do you have anything else to say before we sign off today? Uh, Well, week eight was certainly a fun one. <laughs> week nine doesn't maybe look like as big of a week as we saw this past weekend, but there is a lot of potential upset uh, trends here this upcoming weekend, which is why I think it's important to note out some of the games that we just meant, talked about in the mushing hour, because there's a certain a lot of there's a lot of uh, upset potential that could happen this upcoming weekend, and that could really shake up the the, uh, the landscape of college football going into week number ten. Uh, anything from you before we depart today? Um, can we please get a more concise playoff picture after this week? I'm sick of teams cannibalizing each other. Someone is- please emerge. That is true, but I think that's not the only thing you want to talk about. I think we have a certain card show coming up in the next couple of weeks. We do. We do have the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore, excuse me, the Central Jersey Card Show coming up in Middlesex County Community College. Uh, not this upcoming Saturday, but the upcoming Saturday after that, which would be November fourth, between the hours of nine and two, nine a.m. and two p.m. So that's the Central Jersey Card Show. You can follow them on Instagram and or uh, their website, but. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, stop by. There's going to be 100 plus tables of sports, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, baseball, even some Pokemon cards, if that's your thing. But you can follow them on Instagram at central.jersey.card.show. It's going to be at Middlesex College in Edison, New Jersey. And we're looking forward to a great day. Yeah, be sure to follow us on our page on AGMB underscore sports underscore cards for more information about that show in the next couple of weeks. That will certainly be a fun one. And it will certainly be a couple of good weeks because the way the college football is going, we sure we will sure talk about that uh, college football landscape at the show and overall any type of sports as we are obviously going in to the World Series in a couple of days. The NFL season is going along. We'll talk about the NFL in the next couple of days as well because I know Johnson, you have a lot to talk about this from this past couple uh, this past Sunday. I've but- received. You have receipts. I do too, because we were both celebrating uh, as of yesterday. But nonetheless, it should be a good, uh, fun show. We always have fun at these shows, and we'll have to see how all the world of sports will be shaken up going into that car show in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned to find out. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. As we mentioned, we will talk about the NFL in just a couple of days, as well as the MLB postseason. A lot is going down in both the MLB and the NFL, and we'll have to tune in to see how it all unfolds here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. But as for college football, we now head into week number nine. We are getting closer to finding out who is going to be playing for that college football playoff and getting one step closer to a national championship. This has been Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.